stretched between them, making a mockery of long-ago nights falling asleep beneath the same ancient cruel work coverlet, whispering of seal-maids and the souls of drowned sailors. I don't know what you mean by it anyway, Catelyn said at last, without looking up from the task of pouring a stream of whale oil into her bowl. You ought to know better than to be crawling up shipman head with a pistol. What's got into you? Hester stared down at her hands her fingers grimy with gunpowder and oil. Papa has written to Mr. Williams again. It was her duty to marry well, but in truth she'd been relieved when Bonaparte's escape from his island prison and the outbreak of war put an end to negotiations with the Sierra Leonean tea merchant. Now, eighteen months after the defeat and the occupation, Papa had decided it was time to secure her future. Catelyn shrugged, unsympathetic. Mr. Williams seemed a kindly enough man to judge from that letter you got. And he's black like yourself and well-educated and he's got money too. Your papa says he's built a fine house in Freetown with coconut palms in the garden, whatever they might be. Africa's a long way, but what would you rather? Some English nobleman with nothing in the bank and all his friends sneering at you? Such an husband would think he'd made you a gift of his title, even as he got his soft hands on all your fortune, miss. Do you really think I want some minor squire to get his hands on everything my father worked for? Hester demanded. Despite Papa's naval honours and a veneer of respectability acquired in the eyes of those in power, the colour of his skin had barred his entry to the halls of the exchange. This had not prevented him instructing a broker with abolitionist leanings to make a series of spectacular investments. Prize money earned capturing French ships had given birth to the sort of fortune that led mothers of marriageable sons from Penzance to St. Austell into appallingly transparent attempts to conceal their disgust at Hester's lineage. The notion of marriage into any such family, or even to kindly Mr. Williams of Sierra Leone, was insupportable. Listen, Cat, no wife has time to paint, let alone to shoot grouse. I'd rather be single forever. It's hardly as if I should be destitute. Hester was immediately sorry knowing that Catelyn would have given anything to be a wife rather than a widow. Catelyn shook her head, funneling the geranium oil into one green glass bottle after another. Silence reigned again, and for so long that Hester was almost glad to hear heavy footfalls in the passageway. Wiping her hands on the skirts of her gown, she stepped round the table to meet the trespasser in Catelyn's undisputed domain. The door flew open with such force that Hester put out her arms to stop it. It was no ordinary islander but Papa himself, collapsing against the doorframe and bleeding from his mouth. He clutched at his belly, his white shirt blooming crimson. He dropped to his knees, trying to speak. Catelyn ran to him, but Hester flew backwards, taking up her reassembled pistol. Nay, Papa choked, falling to his knees. Thick, dark blood seeping from one corner of his mouth. Catelyn screamed. Nay, more. Papa cried again, his meaning unintelligible to Hester. Scrabbling at the table, her fingers closed around a cartridge, and with a swift jerk she bit off the end and tasted the bitter burn of gunpowder, before forcing the live cartridge down the barrel of her gun. As she lit the powder, four white French soldiers surged in a rush of filthy blue jackets, old sweat and foul breath. Hester fired, 
and the first man she had ever killed dropped to the flagstones at her feet, leaving heaped grey brain matter seeping from the shattered remains of his skull. Chapter Two Hester huddled at the stern of a stolen oyster boat, spray-drenched and rigid with disbelieving grief. God alone knew where the soldiers meant to take her. Why had they come? Papa had feared the French would garrison Scilly as the parliamentarians had done hundreds of years ago. Acting under Wellington's final orders in 1815, Admiral Comey had destroyed Star Castle on St Mary's as what was left of the navy limped across the Atlantic, leaving Castle Briar as the obvious target. And so now they had come, and Papa was dead. At least if these men meant to kill her too, surely they would have done it by now. After twelve hours at sea, the violent shivering had settled. But every time Hester closed...